Hi, I'm Ray. Welcome to another one of my rants. This time, all about families. Now, they do say you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. How true that is. A friend of mine, this is going back years, he was very close to his uncle. They got on really well. In fact, he looked after him towards the end of his uncle's life. And his uncle eventually passed away. There was the funeral. There was the wake. The will was read. The house was to be divided between family members. The family had agreed to meet at the uncle's house at 10 o'clock one morning so they could each take a little trinket or a little piece of furniture, whatever, because the house had to be cleared before it was sold. So they'd agreed to get there at 10. My friend got there at 10, only to find there were several other family members there already. And he reckoned they'd been there <laughs> an hour, if not two hours, before. They'd stripped the place, they'd taken furniture, they'd taken pictures and paintings and goodness knows what. He said there was nothing of any real value, but there were one or two bits that uh, some family members wanted, and when they turned up at ten, they'd gone. As I said, my friend was particularly close to his uncle, and his uncle had said, when I'm dead and gone, I want you to have certain items, certain bits and pieces, just for you. And he said, uh, you'll find them hidden. The uncle had said, apparently his words, you know what the family are like, they're a bunch of vultures. So when the family had gone, they'd all grabbed what they wanted, left my friend there on his own. He went upstairs, lifted the floorboard where the uncle had said in the bedroom, pulled the rug back, lifted the floorboard, and there was a box. He looked in the box. There was a gold pocket watch. Uh, his aunt's jewellery, which was quite valuable apparently. His aunt had died some years previously. There was also, apart from the box, a large envelope. And in there, he said, approximately £5,000 in cash. Now, the family, he said, had been wondering why there was nothing in the bank. There was literally zero in the bank. They knew that the, the old boy had some money, and they knew it was several thousand pounds. And suddenly, when they all come to grab it like vultures, the bank balance is zero. So the uncle actually had the last laugh on the vultures, and so did this friend of mine. He wasn't a grabber. He, he said to me he didn't want money. Well, that's not what he was after. He wanted the pocket watch, not because it was gold, but because it was his uncle's. It was sentimental value. But, of course, he had the bonus of around 5,000 in cash. But uh, as he said to me at the time, families, eh? Who'd have them? Oh, I should also add, I forgot that um, the uncle didn't want to sort of make out there was there was favoritism towards this friend of mine that's why he hadn't put the watch and the jewelry and the cash in the will it all left to my friend because um apparently my friend was bullied by the family always bullied had he ended up with the pocket watch and the money and they all knew about it they would have bullied him that's why apparently that's why the uncle did it that way to uh, make sure that he got the items and the others didn't even know about it so uh, I, I thought that was brilliant actually a nice twist now, I don't want you to think that all these uh, stories and anecdotes are going to be bad, how bad families are, because some of them are good. But I must tell you of another really, really bad one, but again with a brilliant twist at the end. This old boy lived in a house. His wife had passed away uh, quite a few years previously. He lived in this house and it was rented. He'd rented the house, him and his wife, for decades. They knew the landlord well. In fact, they'd become friends. The landlord looked after them, didn't put the rent up, charged minimal rent, always did repairs when they were necessary, 
didn't mess them around and they it was a really good arrangement the old couple were happy there and the old boy ended up on his own now the old boy had a son the landlord had always said to the son you know when your father passes on I'll be selling the house but I'm certainly not going to let it go before he passes away and the son came into a little bit of money and he said to the landlord well look can I buy the house now before my dad goes can I buy it now and the landlord said, well, yeah, OK, I'll agree to that. But you know, if you just promise not to throw your dad out. He said, well, of course not. I won't throw my own father out of his home of decades. You know, good grief, sort of. <laughs> anyway, he bought the house. And as soon as it was his, he put his father into a home, did the house up and made, I think it was about 30-something thousand pound profit on the house. So the first thing he did as soon as it was his house, threw his dad out. absolutely dreadful thing to do. The landlord got to hear of this because he'd become friends with with the father. He visited the old boy in the home and he said, I've got a flat. I've got a ground floor garden flat, nice little bit of garden at the back, one bedroom, ideal for you. It's yours until you pass away or until you have to go into a home rent free. They become really good friends. The old boy was over the moon. He hated the home. He was over the moon. He moved in that very day. (laughs) Apparently, the landlord said, come on, pack your case, we're off. (laughs) He moved into this ground floor flat, rent-free. Absolutely brilliant. He lived there for a couple of years, apparently, and he did finally pass away. He didn't have to go into a home. So it didn't end up too bad for the old boy. Uh, He had a really good friend in the landlord. Obviously thought that his son was a despicable character. And now here comes the twist. The old boy changed his will. What the son didn't know, and what the landlord didn't know, was the old boy had some money. Something like a hundred, what was it, a hundred and fifty something thousand pounds. I forget the exact figure I was told. hundred and fifty something thousand pounds put away in the bank. No one knew about it. So what happened? It was left to the landlord. The son heard of it, of course, at the reading of the will. The son went along, just in case his dad had got anything worth having, you know, (laughs) that he could take. And at the reading of the will, uh, the sum of 150 something or other thousand pounds to go to Mr. So-and-so, <laughs> his good friend and landlord of many decades. What a brilliant story. I love that one. I love it. Back in the 1950s, a young couple in love got married and their wedding present from the chap's father was a house. They couldn't believe it. It was a four bedroom house in Surrey. The bridegroom's father was loaded, like big time, he was something in the city. So there we are, there's the house, that's your wedding present. A house for a wedding present, absolutely fantastic. Of course they moved in and they lived there for what, two or three years I think the story was. And then one day there was a a knock on the door. It was the the father and uh, his his daughter-in-law opened the door and, oh come in, come in, would you like tea or coffee? I've got some bad news, he said. You've got to move out of the house. You know, out of our house? She, she said, well, what do you mean? We've got to move out of our house. We don't want to move. Uh, well, the thing is, um, I've lost the house. A little bit of trouble in the city, don't you know? Uh, lost quite a bit of money. <laughs> so I'm going to have to sell the house. It was in his name. Although it was their wedding present, the house was still in her father-in-law's name. Of course, when her husband got home, you know, his son, he went mad. He said, what are you talking about? This is our wedding present. 
So well, yes, it was, but uh, it was always in my name. So there we are. There's a the moral. <laughs> the moral of the story is: if ever you get a, a wedding present in the form of a house, right? Just make sure that you've got the thing in your name. <laughs> but no, that's awful. What an awful thing to happen. I think they'd lived there. I can't remember what they said because I knew a family member. I think they'd lived there three, maybe four years. Um, and they'd already had a child. They were planning another one. And of course, the whole thing just went terribly wrong. There was enough money around. Apparently, they bought a, a bungalow somewhere, a small bungalow down on the coast, uh, on the south coast. But nothing like this huge four-bedroom house they'd had up in Surrey. So yes, as I said... <laughs> <laughs> if anyone says, look, there's a house for your wedding present, just make sure it's in your name. I shouldn't laugh, really, because it must have been devastating for the young couple. But uh, apparently they were OK. It worked out in the end. I don't know what happened to the uh, the father, whether they ever spoke to him to, again or what he did, whether he lost his house because he had an even bigger house. I knew this girl. I always say that, don't I? I knew this girl, which is true. I knew this girl. And we were going out with each other. And she said, come back. We'd only known each other a couple of weeks. Come back. We've been down the pub. Have a cup of tea, coffee, whatever. Meet my mum. So we went back after the pub. Went into the lounge downstairs. And uh, her mum made us coffee. We're chatting. And I heard a thump upstairs. She said, oh, it's OK. It's my dad. Take no notice of him. And I said, oh, OK. I thought it was a bit odd that he hadn't come down. You know, perhaps he's gone to bed early or something. And the mother said to me, she said, well, we might as well tell him the story. And I'm thinking, well, what's this story? She said, right, that's my husband upstairs. We don't speak. And, oh, OK. <laughs> Had an argument or something. Uh, she said, oh, we haven't spoken now for three years. Right, OK. I'm thinking that's, uh, that's a long time to sulk, isn't it? And not speak to each other. Three years. What had happened was that they'd fallen out. I don't know what it was about. But instead of, they wanted to get divorced. They wanted to split up. Instead of doing all that, because they'd have nowhere to live. You know what it is. You sell a house. You have half the equity each. And you end up with not enough to buy another place. You end up renting and whatever. And it's a disaster. So they decided that he would live upstairs. There was a bathroom up there, of course, and a bedroom, a couple of bedrooms. They made uh, a kitchen, I think. It was a three, there are three bedrooms up there. Made one into a kitchen. Had his bathroom. Uh, two bedrooms. So one was a bedroom and one was a lounge. That's it. Downstairs, there was the lounge, the dining room, which was now the wife's bedroom. And then there was a kitchen and there was an extension, little extension, which was a bathroom. So they basically both had self-contained flats. There was only one front door. They hadn't put separate doors inside in the hallway. And it had been like that for three years. I can see the point because this girl explained to me sometime later that you know, if they'd sold the place, they'd have nowhere to live. I don't know what happened with the mortgage, whether they had a mortgage. They must have had a mortgage. I don't know what happened with mortgage payments. Perhaps they split it or something. I don't know the details, but I did see the chap on one or two occasions when I went there. He didn't speak to me. He didn't speak to his wife. His daughter, I think he spoke to his daughter. I think she got on or tried to get on with both parents. It must have been an incredibly difficult situation for her she was uh, 19 20 I think it must have been a very difficult situation from her living in the same house as both parents and they're not speaking to each other they've effectively got their own flats it must have been very difficult for her in fact she did have some problems I think later on 
I only went out with her for a few months and I did bump into her some years later and she had had, you know, we had a bit of a chat. She had had some problems. Her parents were still there a few years later. They were still living and not speaking to each other. But no, it's not funny. But because the thing is, back in the 50s and the 60s, to an extent, the property was always in the, the man's name. You know, if the wife wasn't happy and she wanted a divorce, well, off you go then. And she would leave with a suitcase and that's it. She had no claim on the property. It belonged to her husband. I don't think that was the case with these two. This was later in the 70s. Um, I'm sure, yeah. This, actually, this must have been late 70s, thinking about it. So it, the house would have been in both their names. But of course, earlier on in the 50s, early 60s, it was the man's name. You know, he, he was the earner, the breadwinner. The mortgage was in his name. He was the, the mortgage payer. And the woman, his wife, was... Well, I don't know what she was. Nothing, I suppose. Awful, isn't it, really? So there we are. That's another <laughs> another tale of a family in, in, I don't know, in despair, I was going to say. They all seemed all right. Although the girl did tell me that her dad had a girlfriend uh, that he, he met regularly. So I don't know. What a strange thing, though, isn't it? Living upstairs and downstairs in the same house and not speaking on a brighter note. Going back, this is the 60s again. I love the 60s. This chap I knew, he won some money on the football pools. Do you remember the football pools? People don't do that anymore, do they? I think I mentioned before, haven't I? Horace Batchelor and his perm, his way of winning. I think if you paid him, he told you how to, how to win the football pools. <laughs> I don't know whether anyone actually won, but obviously he won because lots of people were paying him. Horace Batchelor, I don't know how it worked. But this chap won, I think, I don't know how much, but it was a considerable amount of money on the football pools. His parents were late 50s. They both worked really hard. They were a working class family and they both had worked really hard all their lives. He, I believe, he worked for the gas board, the gas company or something. Not a brilliant wage, but it was you know enough to pay rent because the house they were in was rented. Uh, what did she do? She had three jobs. I remember he told me she was a, clean, a, a cleaner at the school, did something in an office. She had three jobs and they did make ends meet just about. So there's a mum and dad, my friend and his sister in this rented house. And they were struggling to pay. I think my friend at the time was about 20, I think, and his sister about 18. So you know they were both working and trying to contribute. But his parents had never had a holiday. It was just all work, all their lives. It was work. Now, he won this money, so he bought a house. And he said to them, look, come and move in with me. Come and live in this house. OK, I haven't got to worry about rent anymore. And, of course, they were over the moon. They really were over the moon. So all four of them moved into this house that the chap had bought. And they had a housewarming party, you know, where they have friends and some new neighbours and the rest of it, aunts, uncles, all the people par around. And this friend of mine, he, he said that uh, he did this speech. Welcome to your new home, mum and dad. And of course, they're smiling and people are all raising their glasses. He said, uh, hope you like your new house. And the dad said, well, it's your house. Uh, it's your house, isn't it? No, dad, he said, no, it's yours. What he'd done, he bought the house for cash and he put it in his parents' name. There were tears and, oh, it was just fantastic, he said. There were the people cheering and everything. And uh, the, the son said, uh, when you go back to work on Monday, you got both of you, Hand in your notice. 
you don't want to work anymore, you're going to retire. And apparently the dad said, well, hang on, you, you haven't won that much. <laughs> you haven't won that much money. And he had, he had, the son had won more, I think, than they realised. I don't know whether he kept it secret or what he'd done. I think he planned this surprise. And he said, no, you're both retiring. You can go in on Monday, give a week's notice or whatever it is you have to give. And then you're both retiring. You don't have to earn money anymore. It's all here. It's all paid for. That's a lovely story, isn't it? See, not all families are bad, despicable and cheats and vultures. <laughs> oh dear, happy days. I knew a chap, he got married and uh, he bought the house next door to his parents. They thought, this is a good idea. We'll buy the house next door. Uh, he was an only child, so it's just him, his mum and dad. He got married, with his, got his new wife, moved in next door. They took down the back garden fence, made it all one. So they got houses side by side, shared back garden, and it was lovely. Now, his mum hadn't really wanted this too much. She wanted her own garden and a bit of privacy, but the son had insisted that it, it would be nice, and especially in old age, as they get older, you know, he could look after his mum and dad. And it, it did work out fairly well, although his mum apparently was often saying to people, it, it would be nice just to, at the weekend, go out into the back garden and have a little bit of privacy. I miss the fence, even though it's my son and daughter-in-law. It would be nice sometimes just to sit out there on my own and not have to make conversation, not have to chat. And she said that they're always in the house, they're always popping round, just wandering in the back door. Oh, hello, pop round for coffee, let's put the kettle on. And she said that she didn't want that. Now, his dad worked full time, so he wasn't there, uh, what, five days a week. But uh, his mum was... And his wife was there quite a lot of the time because she did shift work. So I think she was a nurse. So she did uh, some night work and then she was there during the day quite a bit. So the privacy thing wasn't really there. Uh, his mum either had daughter-in-law sort of in and out during the day, uh, both of them in and out at the weekend, and there really was no privacy. He did say to me that his mum had said they might as well all have lived in one house. At least they could lock the back door at night. But even then, tap, tap, tap. Hello, are you there? <laughs> and it was like living in one house, which doesn't work, does it? You know, I've, I've known people do this before. I've known a son or a daughter get married and then their wife or husband move in to the home where the parents are, into the parents are one of the parents' home. And it doesn't work. I knew a chap some years ago he set up business with his son. Now, him and his son were great together. They really got on well. They set up business. They, they rented a, a, a very small unit on an industrial estate. And they set up, it was some, a metal fabrication or something. I don't know what they were doing. Something with sheet metal or whatever it was. They were both building up the business. It was working well. But they argued all the time. They always had different ideas. We should do this. No, we should do that. And this chap said to me, you know, his son was obviously a lot younger, and he had all these ideas. And he thought, no, it won't work. He hasn't got the experience. You, know, you need experience in business to make things work. And I remember the son saying to me, oh, my dad, you know, he won't try anything new. Anything new that comes along, oh, no, we'll, we'll do it the proper way. We'll do it the old way. So I could see both sides of the disagreement, the argument. And in the end, they decided, you know, this is ridiculous. We're not getting on together. They were barely speaking some days, apparently. They sold the business, made a little bit of profit, sold the business, shared the, the proceeds. And from that day, 
They were great, father and son again, got on like a house on fire, like they always used to. So it's not always good to work together, which brings me on to another couple I knew who retired, very, very happily married for, what was it, 40 something years or more. They retired and within a year they divorced. They just could not get on together. You're living together 24 hours a day. They couldn't do it. When they were both working, they had their own friends at work. They'd come home and they were uh, enjoying each other's company. They enjoyed weekends together. But suddenly, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, the weekend, and the next week, and the next month, and the next month, together, the whole time. They did go out separately sometimes. I think she had a couple of friends she had coffee with, and he would play, was he played snooker, I think, with some friends of his. But basically, they were in the house Apart from that, more or less 24 hours a day. And after a year, they sold the house, split the proceeds from the house, divorced. What a shame. It's a great shame, isn't it, that? You know, you're looking forward to your retirement. (laughs) I shouldn't laugh. But what are you going to do when you retire? Well, probably argue a lot and then get divorced. (laughs) It's not funny, is it? I shouldn't laugh, really. It just sounds funny, you know. What are you going to do when you retire? Get divorced. I went out with a woman once, not a girl this time, a woman, this is uh, when I was older, went out with this woman and we got on quite well, nothing going on as such, we were more friends than anything else and one evening we went out for a drink, it's just sitting in this pub and she said, uh, you you know I'm married don't you? <laughs> I said what? Married? I didn't know that no. She said oh sorry I thought you knew. I said God, no I didn't know you were married. And she said, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, I, I should have said at the outset. I said, well, you should have done that. <laughs> I had no idea. She said, yeah, married, couple of kids. Husband's boring. Kids are a nuisance. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, this is good. This uh, says a lot for being married. And what it was, she explained, her husband was boring. And, the, <laughs> well, all kids are a nuisance at times. But he was boring. I suppose all husbands are boring at times, aren't they? You know, they've got their hobbies and they, they've got their sheds or their garage, and they're always pottering out in the shed, doing this or doing making models, you know, making models or playing with engines, or they collect stamps or something equally boring. And she said, uh, my husband and I, you know, we get on great, you know, we love each other. She said, it's just that he is so boring. Uh, apparently he was a member of a model railway club, and all the talk was model engines, little working steam engines and carriages and tracks and signal boxes and she said it was just absolutely boring that's why she came out with me I mean as I said we were only friends but she just enjoyed someone else's company for a change Um, I mean I I thought we were going to go further uh, before I realized or before I discovered uh, that she was married so we didn't go any further I didn't take it any further Uh, but we did remain friends for a number of years but isn't it funny how two people you know, they can be in love and they can live together, but not too much. If there's too much of it, or one of them is always busy with something, it can become boring. I suppose if there's too much of it, if they're in each other's pockets, it can become perhaps oppressive. Is that the word? Oppressive. I knew a couple, they did everything together. This was in my, what, early 20s. They were the same age. They got married and they did everything together. Wherever he went, she went. Wherever she went, he went. You know, they were always together. If she went out with her friends, he would tag along. If he went out with his mates, she would tag along. 
if she was the only female there, half a dozen lads going out for a drink, and there's her tagging along. Her and her friends going out for a drink, you know, there's perhaps six or eight of them, all girls, and there's him standing there. <laughs> like, what was that saying, that expression? Oh, no, I better not mention that. No, that's naughty, that expression, like a spare, so, something at a party or something. So it's one thing to be, you know, with families, married people, it's one thing to be together and in love and love each other tremendously and it's wonderful. But you have to, I think, recognise that each is an individual. You don't own the other person. I think that was the trouble with those two. They kind of owned each other. They belonged to each other. You know, she belonged to him and he belonged to her. You can't own people like that. It doesn't work. Well, I don't think so. Anyway, perhaps some of you will email me now and you'll say, well, you're totally wrong, as usual. (laughs) That's okay. Email me. I'll tell you what, apart from lighter evenings, it's definitely getting warmer, which means that we can have, I think, uh, what what date is it? Uh, Is it 28th today, isn't it? Sunday 28th. I forget what the various dates are for not locking down anymore. I think we can have uh, an outside person, outside the family, come around in the garden. Is that March the 8th? I got confused. Schools are doing this, schools are doing that. Pubs and nightclubs are doing something else. I get confused with it all. But what I was going to say is we've got the summer coming and we can at least have a few people in the garden, which will be nice. We haven't got the barbecue anymore. I got rid of that. I think I told you before, too hot standing there, turning over sausages and burgers, the heat from the barbecue, the heat from the sun. It was all just too much. So we don't do that anymore. We just do the food in the kitchen. We'd have a few people around, which would be really nice. With this lockdown, it's not all, well, it has all been bad, obviously, but there are one or two little sparkles of uh, hope or something that's come out of it. I know a couple of uh, couples, a couple of couples, they've got into gardening. They're planting things together. They hated gardening. They hated mowing the lawn. They hated everything about the garden, but they've got into it. They've been buying seeds. They've uh, put up a greenhouse. One of the couples put up a greenhouse. They've got seeds coming on. They're going to do tomato plants and cucumbers. And they said that they never would have dreamed of doing anything like that. You know, gardening? Oh, no, we don't want to do that. But they got so bored, they started tidying up the garden, doing a little bit here and there. And that's it. It's become a new hobby for them. They're loving it. And I did see their garden a few weeks back. I I didn't go in the house or anything, but I was passing. I went for a walk and looked over the back fence. They've got a a back place you can go around. And they were showing me around from the over the fence. And it's lovely, absolutely lovely. So looking forward to going there in the summer. And uh, this other couple I know, they've got into cooking. Uh, She always did the cooking and he always did the eating. (laughs) But he was furloughed, he was at home and he got into cooking. And now he, well, and her, they're both making curries and stuff like this. They're doing um, pickles and all loads of stuff. So they found a a new interest together, which is really good. In my early 20s, a good friend of mine suggested we we both just got new girlfriends within the last, what, few weeks or so. Uh, We hadn't met each other's girlfriend and we said, let's do a foursome. So, yeah, okay, I thought I'd go along with that. We'd do a foursome. And we met up in this pub and... The two girl, our two girlfriends, we sat down and, oh, this is so-and-so and this is Ray, blah, 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 introducing each other. And these girls didn't speak to each other. And we're thinking, this is odd. We went up to the bar to get the drinks. And we're saying to each other, what's going on? They, 
perhaps they don't like each other. Do they know each other? They don't seem to be speaking to each other. So we got the drinks and we sat down and we're chatting. Uh, his girlfriend was chatting away to me. My girlfriend was chatting away to him. Everyone seemed the best of friends. It was a lovely evening, except the two girls weren't speaking to each other. We went to the bar again to get drinks. And I said to him, this is, you know, they're definitely not speaking to each other. They must know each other from the past because nothing's happened. Nothing's been said since we've been here. When we sat back down at the table, he said, OK, why aren't you two speaking to each other? And they, <laughs> they both came out with more or less the same words because she's a cow and she's a whatever, the B word. And we're looking at each other. We're stunned. Like, What's going on here? Do you two know each other? Know each other? <laughs> One of them spat. That's my sister. And the other one said, I forget which was which. The other one said, we haven't spoken for years. She's a cow. <laughs> so <laughs> it was so funny. For a start, what a coincidence that we're both going out with sisters. We didn't know that. And then they're not speaking to each other. Well, we, we spent, I don't know, the rest of the evening there hoping that they'd make it up. I, I never did find out what the original argument has been about. Uh, they were, what, 20, 22 years old. I think there was a couple of years between them. But I never did find out what it was about. Whenever I asked my girlfriend, I got the same answer. Well, she's a cow. And whenever he asked his girlfriend, she's a cow. And that was it. They both lived at home still. So I don't know what their parents thought. You know, they've got two lovely daughters not talking to each other. But isn't it funny how some people, they hold grudges, don't they? Some people hold grudges and they won't let go. That's it. If, if someone's done them wrong or whatever, if someone's crossed them in some way or other, that's it. They remember that for life and they just don't ever speak again. I knew a chap, he worked in a factory and he got his mate a job there. He you know, had put in a good word for his mate and said he was trustworthy, reliable, all this. Uh, I think he, this mate of mine was, um, I don't know what he was, foreman or whatever he was in the factory. So he was reasonably high up and then he put in a good word to his boss. So this mate of his got the job in the factory. Great, you know, he was, he was doing well. After a couple of months, uh, his mate, uh, I don't know what had happened. He had some family crisis and he left the job. He, he walked out. He was having, I think actually he was having some sort of mental breakdown because of, well, I won't go into it all, but there was divorce and stuff going on. Um, and he just walked out of the job. Now his mate that had got him the job there he didn't seem to want to understand that there was uh, the, the crisis, the divorce. He just said, oh, that's it. Send him to Coventry. I don't know where that came from. Why do they send people to Coventry? And he never spoke to him again, ever again, even when it was all over. And this, uh, his mate, you know, the divorce was all done. He was um, getting help or therapy or whatever. Back on his feet, even years later, they'd stand in the pub. They had the same friends. They'd stand in the pub or mixing with their friends, talking to their friends, but totally ignoring each other. Well, not each other. This uh, chap that had got his mate the job, he ignored the other one. I said to this chap once, you know, he did go through a really rough patch and, you know, he, he'd sort of had a mental breakdown. He said, well, he shouldn't have walked out on the job. He'd had no understanding at all. I, I know you, you shouldn't walk out on a job, uh, just sort of desert the company, but I think, you know, in his case... I think he did have pretty good reason uh, with this mental breakdown. But that was it. And the chap never did speak to him again. Talking of families and people not speaking to each other. I know a couple in their 40s. I haven't seen them recently. 
because of lockdown and everything. But before lockdown, uh, politics, they had totally different politics. One was, I suppose I could describe as far left and one was far right. You, you know what I mean by that. Won't go into it all. And they used to have discussions and uh, not heated, but you know, little arguments about it all. And over the period of two years, it was, it's when a certain person came into politics, the other one did, I won't mention names, but things were getting pretty more left or right. You know, there was no middle, it was left or right. And this couple, their heated arguments became worse. You know, they became rows. And then it ended up, they were throwing things, not at each other. You know, one would pick up a cup and throw it against the wall, smash. They really were arguing about politics and they ended up divorced. Now, can you believe that a, a couple that had been really happily married for a long, long time, kids had left home and everything, they got divorced over politics. And I suppose, yes, you can believe that because there are certain things that really do divide people and politics is certainly one of them and religion, of course, won't go into that. But politics, they do, it divides families, doesn't it? And I'd not heard of this before. I heard people talking about politics dividing families, but I'd never known it myself. I hadn't known anyone that had affected like that until this couple, they actually divorced over it. And what a shame, isn't it? What a shame to end what used to be a good marriage. Talking of a good marriage, a friend of mine went out with this married woman and she left her husband for him which that's nothing unusual, is it? I mean, that happens a lot. But people blamed him for breaking up her marriage. Oh, it was a really good marriage. She had a good, strong marriage with with her husband. You came along and split them up. And I said, hang on. I said to this one chap, I said, hang on. If it was a really good, strong marriage she had with her husband, how come this other chap could take her away from it? How come he could break it up? Oh, oh, well, oh, oh, he couldn't answer that, of course. I think if a if a marriage is good and strong, then it's going to stay that way. If it's no good, then obviously any temptation of a, a better life or to move on to something that might seem better, your grass is green at the other side, it's going to happen, isn't it? But uh, it does annoy me when people say, oh, so-and-so broke up a really good marriage. You know, he's a dreadful person. They were really good, that pair together. Well, of course they weren't. Had they been really good, he wouldn't have been able to break them up, would he? People are funny, aren't they? I know of a woman, she hasn't spoken to her brother for decades. She's, what, 40s now, I think, early 50s, 40s, I don't know. She had a good group of friends, uh, let's say a dozen friends, and a, a couple of them she decided she didn't like, so she wouldn't speak to them. And to all the other friends, she put them down. Oh, she said this and she did that. And she tried to turn the, the, the main group against these two, which she succeeded to do. Uh, She came up with all this stuff about them. And then there was another member of the group. She turned the group against her. And this went on over a period of time, let's say a year or two. I don't know how long. And she ended up with only, there were only two people left in the group and her, so three altogether. She ended up with just these, these two friends, because what she'd done, she'd alienated everyone else. She, she was a very divisive person. Uh, not so much divide and conquer, but just, I don't know what her... She obviously had some sort of problem. I don't know what it was with people, but some 
I won't say mental problem because she didn't come across as mental, but she obviously had a problem. And what happened was, as time passed, members of the group that had all been ousted by her and the other members, they started bumping into each other over a period of time. And it was really sad, really, because they all the group got back together, except her, except this woman that had done all this. I think she kept one or two friends out of the whole group. But the rest of them, say 10 people, all got back together, all discussed it and realised that well, none of this was true, what she'd been saying. You know, she was dividing them and causing problems, turning people against each other, backstabbing and all this. But why? You know, I wonder why. I suspect they all wondered why. Well, they did, because I knew one of the people in the group and she said, I just don't know what, what her motive was, what, what the idea was. I don't suppose she had a motive or an idea or a plan. She just thrived on, I don't know, drama, people not speaking, you know, turning people against each other, backstabbing. She just lived for all that sort of thing. And of course, she ended up, I believe in the end, even the last two that chatted with her went back to the main group. I believe she had ousted herself. She was totally on her own in the end. And whether she's made new friends or what, I don't know, but... Uh, isn't that weird and sad? I knew a couple. They'd both been married before. She had children and she remarried. Now, that's not always an easy situation, is it? Stepchildren doesn't always work. But, you know, this chap, he treated her children as if they were his own. You're 110% as if they were his own. And then they had one of their own and he treated them all exactly the same. And I was so pleased you know, to see this because um, I knew them well. All four children, he treated exactly the same. You wouldn't have known that uh, three of them actually weren't biologically his. So it's not all bad. I mean, you get other times, don't you, where perhaps a, a woman remarries and she's got a son or a daughter and they don't get on with the new stepdad. You know, it doesn't work. and uh, It doesn't work big time. This is how some people end up homeless, of course, isn't it? When they're perhaps, what, 16, 17, 18 years of age. You think, well, how come they're homeless? Why are they on the street? You know, where's mum and dad? Well, mum and dad split up. Mum remarries. Uh, the new stepfather perhaps doesn't like the child, the teenager, and that's it. They end up on the street homeless. Um, especially, I suppose, if they've got no relations, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, older, I don't know, older siblings. But uh, this is how some of them do end up homeless, isn't it? As I said at the beginning, families, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. But I do think it's a shame when some family members aren't speaking to others, like the two sisters. I don't know. I wonder whether they ever made it up between them. I'd like to think so. Mothers-in-law. How about that? Mothers-in-law. You know all the jokes about mothers-in-law? Oh, his mum. <laughs> I won't say any of the jokes. I can't remember them anyway. But I knew a mother-in-law, not mine, I hasten to add. My mother-in-law is perfect. We get on really well. Right, that's that. I've got my brownie points. There was this mother-in-law. Um, well, her son married this girl. And the mother-in-law would go and visit the daughter-in-law. He worked. Uh, the mother... Don't get confused now. The, the daughter-in-law was pregnant. OK, their first child was on the way. She'd given up work. The mother-in-law would walk round there to see her. And... The daughter-in-law would say, oh, hello, come in. You made her welcome. Would you like tea? Would you like biscuits? Would you like to stay for lunch? She always did this. And 
the mother-in-law always said, oh, no, no, it's all right, dear, thank you, no, I'm, I'm fine, I don't want tea, I don't want lunch. Uh, you know, the daughter-in-law didn't really think anything of that, fine, a bit odd, but OK, if she doesn't want anything, that's fine. What was happening was the father-in-law, uh, the father of the son, he said to his son one day, he said, look, I, I need to speak to you about uh, your wife. You know, whenever mummy, he called her, whenever mummy goes round there, She's not even offered a cup of tea. She's not offered a biscuit or, or lunch if it's lunchtime. You know, she, she's never offered anything. And he's, his son said, well, I can't believe that. That's odd. You know, I know that uh, you know, my wife is always offering people tea, welcoming people. Anyway, when he got home, he told his wife and she said, well, the woman's lying. You know, I know it's your mum. Sorry, but she's lying. I always offer her tea. Every time she's here, if it's near lunchtime, I'll say... Would you like some lunch? Would you like a sandwich? Or can I cook anything? Basically, the the mother-in-law was a compulsive liar. And she'd go to her husband with all sorts of tales. What should have happened there? The mother-in-law, you know, the liar's son, should have stuck up for his wife. He should have said, look, you know, you're lying. You're trying to cause trouble. Uh, but so many people, I don't know, are they frightened of their parents or something? Um, they should really put their wife first. You know, a man, if he marries, and he should put her first, not his mother. But I suppose <laughs> I suppose I better not say too much on that. It's a difficult one, that, isn't it? How are you all doing with uh, lockdown? How are you doing with lockdown? Are you getting on OK? It's getting difficult, isn't it? It's been over a year now, all this lockdown stuff. We see people in the street, you know, we'll have a quick chat across the road or across the fence. But um, it really is getting on a bit now, isn't it, this lockdown thing? It's become, I don't know, someone was saying the other day, it's become a way of life. I wonder whether, well, we will get back out of it, won't we? Of course, we'll get back to normality or some sort of normality one day. But uh, are you coping all right? You know, you sort of talking to anyone have you got family and friends or neighbours you can chat to over the fence because that's one thing with the summer coming isn't it at least you can stand outside for a while and I don't you're allowed to chat to someone outside on the pavement if you're in your front garden and they're on the path you can chat to them can't you or will these what do they call these thought police the thought police so if you (laughs) if you think something bad they can come and arrest you I don't know how they know what (laughs) What are you thinking? If they knew, I tell you what, if they knew what I was thinking sometimes when I'm driving. I drove our car, when was it? Two or three days ago. I drove our car for the first time in three or four months. I can't work it out exactly. Three or four months I drove because my wife does all the shopping. Uh, You know, we don't both go into the supermarket because you're not meant to do that unless you really have to. Uh, She's younger than me, so she does the shopping any trips that need to be doing, like the post office or whatever, she will do that. So I, I really do stay at home. But the other day, we wanted to go to the tip. And I checked the rules and everything, and I'm allowed to, <laughs> I'm allowed to go to the tip. Sorry, what is it called? The, um, the refuse, refuse centre? I don't know, it's where you chuck your rubbish. It's the local tip. Always has been, always will be. And I drove there, and do you know it was busy? We had to queue up for a long, long time. Loads of people with rubbish. I think what people have been doing in lockdown, they've been clearing out sheds and lofts and garages. And all sorts. There's people dumping all sorts of furniture, bits and pieces. Amazing. 
There was one woman dumping a load of kitchen stuff, saucepans and that. In fact, someone grabbed some of the saucepans. I don't know what he wanted them for. But he said, if they're going on the tip, can I have those? Oh, yeah, help yourself, she said. Everyone had masks on, of course. So, yeah, I hope you're doing all right in lockdown. At least perhaps get outside when you can, when the sun's out. And, uh, you know, start chatting to people next door or even <laughs> strangers. You see someone walking past. Oh, hello, how are you doing? People used to do that, didn't they? In the old days, you're walking along the, the country lane as it was then many, many years ago. And you'd pass someone. And even if you didn't know them, you know, you'd both say, morning, lovely day. Yeah. Whereas now people ignore each other. Well, not everyone, but a lot of people just ignore each other. I have found if I go for a country walk, you see someone in the country, they'll always say morning or afternoon. It's always in the country. They'll say that. Isn't that strange? I wonder why that is. And they're not all country folk because I'm not country folk. And yet I do it when I'm in the woods or on a country walk somewhere. Talking of couples, all TV couples, uh, you know, Midsummer Murders, um, Poirot, whatever, any married couple in the, the programme, you know, it's all fiction, of course, the married couples seem to hate each other. You know, one will get in for work and not speak to his wife, and she'll say, good day, not really, <laughs> and that's it. And you know, he'll say, uh, what's for dinner? Nothing. <laughs> she hasn't done dinner He'll grab his coat. Where are you going? Pub. I don't know what it is. All married couples on the telly, they seem to hate each other. I haven't watched uh, EastEnders or Coronation Street. What's that other dreadful thing? Emmerdale Farm. They call it Emmerdale now, don't they? Everyone, they all hate each other. I don't know. It's so funny. I don't know why. It's not funny, really. It's a shame. Oh, someone said the other day about the podcast episodes, they're missing the seagulls. I know. I know the sea. I can see one now flying. There he goes over the houses and there's another one. But I've got the windows closed. Once it warms up a little bit more, I'll have the windows open and that uh, my trademark, isn't it? The seagulls squawking. So you'll hear them again, which will be nice. Talking of girls, which we were, I think, about an hour ago, a friend of mine went out with a girl and everything was fine. They'd been going out for a few months. Then one day she was in a terrible state. Uh, he told me about this. She discovered that she was adopted. Now, she didn't know this. She was, what, 18, I don't know, late teens at the time. She was adopted, and her mum or dad or both of them sat down with her and said, look, you know, you are adopted. I think they told her because she was trying to, I don't know, she had to, was going to university. No, she wasn't. I don't know what she was doing. People didn't go to university in the 60s, did they? Well, I certainly didn't. That's why I can't talk proper like what you does. <laughs> Seriously. Now, look, let's be serious. Come on. This poor girl, she discovered that she was adopted and she'd thought for all this, all her life that uh, you know, this was her mum and dad. And I, I don't know, it tore her apart. But that must be awful, mustn't it, to, to be told, I don't know, at that sort of age, well, I suppose any age, doesn't matter. Um, I think they had to tell her because she was doing, I don't know what she was filling in some form or other. Uh, I'm not sure what it was, but they had to tell her. And of course, the dilemma was, should they have told her earlier? Uh, you know, when she was perhaps, I don't know, six, seven years old, eight years old. When do you tell someone they're adopted? Of course, then she wanted to find her real mum and dad and all this business. He did actually say to me that uh, it somehow brought him and her closer. And they ended up getting married. I lost touch with them years ago. Uh, but they ended up getting married. 
and the last I heard they'd moved abroad. I think they went to Spain. Uh, yeah, they went to live out in Spain. But that must be very difficult. You know, you've adopted a child. When do you tell the child or do you tell them at all? Or in this case, they had to because of some paperwork. I don't know. Uh, fortunately, I haven't had to uh, worry about that. Families can be funny things, can't they? I remember a chap I knew many, many years ago. But this was again the 60s or 70s. 60s. Yeah, it was. It was mid-60s, in fact. Because um, I just started work in 66. And that's when it was. He was going out with a girl. He was older than me. And he ended up, he said to me, I like the girl's mum. And I said, well, you, what, you can't go out with her mother. The mother was married. Uh, yeah, mother, father, daughter. He was going out with the daughter. She was 18. He was, what, 22-ish. And he really wanted this, <laughs> this girl's mother. And I kept saying to him, you can't do that. You can't do that. Anyway, in the end, he asked the girl's mother out. And... The woman said yes. Now the girl was sort of 18. The mother was about about 34. I think she'd had the, the daughter when she was sort of 17-ish. So she wasn't that much older. Well, I suppose she was about 10, 10, 12 years older than this friend of mine. And the mother said yes. And they went out for a drink. And you know, he told me that they got on really well. And I said, well, this is dangerous. Yeah, what's going to happen? You've got the woman's daughter that you're seeing as well. You've got a husband who's going to go nuts if he finds out. Anyway, he, he carried on. like I didn't want to interfere. I I did at least think that perhaps someone should tell the, the daughter, you know, his sort of original girlfriend. But I, I kept out of it. And what happened was the daughter and her dad found out what their mother and wife was doing. And apparently they said to her, well, we don't want you. From what I heard in the end... Uh, the mother left. She actually left. Uh, she didn't go with this friend of mine. He, you know, <laughs> I think he sort of did a runner, realised that this was all a bit dangerous. But the mother left, and I think it was just the father and the daughter that stayed in the house. So I'm not sure what happened after that. But that reminds me of something else. I was going out. I just met this girl, another girl. You're going to think, good grief. Uh, you're going to think he's widely travelled in the girlfriend industry. <laughs> the relationship, I am widely travelled. Misspent youth, I think that's what it is, a misspent youth. No, this girl, I'd only known her a couple of weeks and I was going out with her. And a friend of mine, he said, oh, I've got a new girlfriend. And I said, ah, so have I. Met her a couple of weeks ago. He said, shall we meet up to do a foursome? So we went, uh, we met in this pub. When we got there, he was already sitting down with his girlfriend. They got their drinks. And I'm walking in with this girl up to the bar. And I looked over. I thought, oh, dear. Problem. Major problem. That his new girlfriend was my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> or one of my ex-girlfriends. Because you're now all thinking I've got hundreds of ex-girlfriends. I haven't really. Anyway, it was a bit orcs, as my granddaughter says. A bit awkward. Totes embarrassing. <laughs> Totes, totally embarrassing. Now, this friend of mine, we hadn't been in touch for a while. He didn't know that was my ex-girlfriend. Anyway, we sat down at the table, did the introductions, and this girl, Caroline, my ex, and I, we looked at each other, smiled, pleased to meet you, <laughs> although we'd met intimately many times in the past. And it wasn't too bad. We all just sat there chatting, and I thought, that's okay. Caroline's a sensible girl. I'm sensible. I'm not going to start saying, oh, yeah, it was my ex-girlfriend. A little bit later, 
this friend of mine said, oh, it's my round, I'll go and get some drinks. And my sort of current girlfriend uh, wanted to go to the loo, so I was left alone at the table with Caroline. And we were sort of chatting and whispering, and she said, I wish we'd never split up. And I said, well, I wish we'd never split up. I don't quite know why we did. The reason we did really was because she was in a, an office job and she had to go away on a three-month training course. I know it sounds a long time, three months, but there was more to it than that. She had to go away up north somewhere. And she came home on the odd weekend to see her parents and me, of course. But three months apart like that, it, it didn't work. It really did sort of not tear us apart, but we drifted apart. And by the time she'd done this course, that was it. Yeah, we were just friends. There was nothing else there. So we're chatting away and uh, she said, can we go out for a drink one evening, just us two, and we can have a chat? And I said, well, I suppose we could. No, I wasn't into two time and sort of cheating on people. I said, well, if you're sure. She said, oh, no, only for a chat. So we arranged to meet in a pub outside of the town somewhere up in the sticks one evening the following week. Uh, when I got there, uh, we we sat there, had a drink. It was really nice to catch up on old times. And we both realised that we should have stayed together. And uh, the friend of mine that she was with and the girl I was with, we'd only just met uh, and it wasn't really working out. I don't know, it wasn't working out. We hadn't given it a chance. But it's a bit of a long story, this. But what happened was... She split up with her chap, I split up with my girl, and we got back together. Uh, so there's a, a interesting, I mean, it's not really to do with families, but more relationships. Yeah, it was good, we got back together. We split up eventually anyway, because <laughs> I had to move on, obviously, you know, you understand, to hundreds of other girlfriends. Just one other thing, there was a, a couple that I knew of, I didn't know them, I knew of, they got divorced. I don't know what happened. They got divorced and they went their own ways. They sold the house and with the equity, they bought a little flat each. And that was that. I think it was three, four years later, something like that. They bumped into each other, started seeing each other and they got married to each other again. <laughs> sold their flats and bought a house. I mean, can you believe that? After, what, three years or so of being divorced... I don't know why they divorced in the first place, but they obviously realised, perhaps they thought the grass was greener on the other side. No, they couldn't have done because they were in their 50s when they split up. So it's rather odd that they should then, after three years or so, get back together and get married again. They did their uh, reception, their wedding reception, and uh, they went on honeymoon, <laughs> their second honeymoon. Isn't it strange what people do? Well, we're coming up to an hour, so you've probably had enough of me. Oh, I just mentioned Jess. Hello, Jess. Jess emailed me and said that she loves listening to my podcast episodes every night. So there must be quite a few now, actually, Jess, because I was thinking, how do you listen to one every night? Be a bit repetitive. But of course, I think there are now, I don't know, there's heading for 90, is it, or 100 episodes? So, yeah, that's, a, what, 90 or 100 nights you've got. I'll have to get going and get some more done, won't I? So thanks for, for the email, Jess. Lovely to hear from you. Uh, what else? Gary as well. Thank you for emailing me with some ideas. I've got my ideas book, so I shall be writing in that later. Um, I've got here illegitimate girl. Now, what does that mean? I've got my notes. Illegitimate girl. Well, I know what it means, but what? Uh, how, is that? <laughs> how is that relative to my episode or about families? I don't know. I'll probably remember later when it's too late. 
Okay, um, yes, email me, talking of emails, raiserants at protonmail.com, raiserants at protonmail.com. I'm getting a few more emails recently. In fact, I've always had quite a lot, but it's increasing. Now, if I don't answer yours, then apologies. It's not that I've deliberately ignored you. It's just that there have been so many that I might have forgotten or deleted it by mistake or something. But do email, because I, I do try and read them all out. I've got an idea for next week. I'm thinking about old photographs, just as an idea for the next Sunday's podcast episode. The idea came to me, we're sorting out the loft here, my wife and I, trying to get rid of a lot of junk, and we found a huge box full of old photographs. And we're looking through them, oh, do you remember this? Do you remember that? And it's quite interesting. And I said, actually, she said to me, uh, how about a podcast episode about old photos? Because I said, I'm, how about one about clearing out the loft? And she said, well, that's boring. <laughs> People don't want to know what's in our loft. Or do you? Perhaps you do. I don't know. You might think, oh, yeah. Let's have a look and see what you've got in your loft. That's a, that just reminds me of something else. Um, I knew a chap and his wife. They loved looking around other people's houses. Perhaps I'll do one on this as well. And what they did, they go to an estate agent. Or oh, can we view that house there? We'd like a viewing. Yeah, OK, the estate agent would arrange to meet them there. And they go and they'd be shown around other people's houses. And it was a kind of a hobby with them. They didn't buy a house. They had their own house. They didn't want to move. They just like going, poking their noses into other people's houses. I suppose, I don't know, is that odd? That's not the sort of thing I want to take up as a hobby. I'm not interested in other people's houses. We've got enough to do in our own house, let alone go around other people's and see what they're up to. OK, thanks for listening as always. Uh, again, lighter evenings. We're another week nearer to summer, which is great. Thanks for listening. I shall see you next Sunday. Take care and... Uh, Try and endure lockdown for a little bit longer. We're almost there. Bye-bye for now.